Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. We are just wrapping up um, this whole thought process of stepping into the gap. We've talked about um, the gaps in our lives, whether it's at home, at school, in our relationships, with our friends, whatever that looks like. And we've challenged you to step into these places. And you would look out your window, whatever your perspective of the world is, and you would actually move towards this brokenness. And that's a challenge, to move towards brokenness. And I was thinking as I was preparing for this message tonight that up until this point, we haven't really given you any tools once you get there. Once you get to the brokenness, your current plan is probably this. Uh, Hey, okay, bye. (laughs) Right? You don't really have a plan. So tonight I want to talk about telling your story. Your story is super powerful and super valuable. And we need to kind of think about that and kind of prepare that so that in these moments... When we are standing next to brokenness, we can be vulnerable, share our story, and point people to Jesus. So tonight, it's a very tangible night. There's nothing magical or mystical about anything. It is very just tactics. It's very nitty-gritty. We're just, I'm just going to give you some things that you can put in your tool belt as you walk towards brokenness so you can share your story. And we're going to look at a story that was told. Really, it's a story within a story. Um, it's in John chapter 4. This is the story about the woman at the well. And so what's happening is Jesus is moving from one place to another. Word is spreading about everything that he's doing. And he's moving from one land to another. And in between those two places is a place called Samaria. Now, Samaria is a place where people in Jesus' original squad wouldn't go. Because I feel like if they went to Samaria, people would look down on them. And they would say, you even talk to them? Get away from me. They would, they would be outcasts from their social circles. So in true Jesus form, he found a gap and he stepped right into it. And that's exactly where he went. He went straight through Samaria. This is unheard of. And he sits down at a well at noon. And this is really important because at noontime, this is the Middle East. This is like hot, sizzling hot noontime, okay? And he's sitting there. He's tired from his travel. And a woman from a nearby town comes walking up to him. Now here's two, a few red flags about this situation. One, it's noon. And two, she's alone. This is saying either she doesn't like to be around people or people don't like to be around her and or those situations. And so there's some brokenness walking towards Jesus. And just in true Jesus fashion, he leans into it. And so the first thing he says while this woman's preparing to draw water from this well, he goes, "Uh, could you give me a drink? And she looks at him and and, and is like, boy, what? (laughs) He's like, they're not supposed to talk to each other. They're two groups of people. This is almost like a racist thing. This is like a discrimination, segregation thing where she's saying, you're not supposed to talk to me and I'm not supposed to talk to you. And he goes, hey, if you only knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. And she goes, you ain't got no bucket. <laughs> like, she just says, like, right. And, and I just imagine, like, at some point, Jesus would just go, it's called a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Don't you get it? You know, but, but I'm a little more <laughs> impatient than Jesus. And so he's using this, and he's saying, hey, I know I don't have a bucket, but look, for the water you can get from me is living water into eternity. And she goes, okay. If, if you're so sold on this water, give me some. So I don't have to come back here at noon every day. And he goes, okay, sounds good. Um, Go get your husband. And he steps right into this wound. And he steps right into this brokenness. And she goes, well, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right. You've had five. 
And the person that you're living with now and sleeping with now isn't your husband either. So you're right. You didn't lie to me. And she goes, and you would be freaked out too if all of a sudden some random guy knew exactly what you had done and the wounds that come with that. And she goes, so I presume you're a prophet, a magician, or David Blaine. I don't know what's happening here. But she goes, if you want to talk church, okay, prophets, like the Old Testament guys listening, church, church, church. Okay, so um, if you want to talk church, a lot of people talk about worshiping over there and worshiping over here. And, you know, who, what does it even mean, <laughs> right? And he goes, okay, so if you want to talk church, let's talk church. And he says, a lot of people talk about where they're going to worship. But the day is coming and indeed is here today that it's not about where, it's about how. It's about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And that was something enough to grab her mind to have her see that this guy was different. And she totally changes her posture and is almost like she's looking out of the corner of her eye, says, I've heard that the Savior of the world is coming. Like, she didn't want to look at him anymore, almost. You can kind of feel the tension, like she's thinking, this might be the guy. And she goes, and when he comes, he's going to tell us everything. And he goes, the person you're sitting with, the one you're looking at, I am he. And it's this powerful moment. And, and, the, and the, uh, his boys come back, but she drops her jar, and she runs back to town. And she gets into town, and she goes, you guys got to see this. It's a guy that told me everything he ever done, and he, I, I had ever done, and he's right over there. And the town went out to see. Based on the story she told them, they all went out to see who that was. They started finding out where Jesus was and started moving towards him. And it says that he stayed with them, and because of his words, not her story, because of his words, many came to believe. And they said, hey, we don't just believe you because of your story now, but we believe because we've heard for ourselves. This is the power of your story. And I want you to see that tonight, and we're going to use the example of this biblical story on how you can share your story and be confident when you do it. And it'll change the world. It'll change your world, and it'll change people's lives. And I'm going to ask you guys over here that are talking real quick, hey, you guys, I'm just going to ask you to be quiet, okay? Um, Because I feel like tonight's really important. And I'm going to call you up to be just a little bit more mature, okay? We're just going to call you up to the room's maturity, okay? Sound good? So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to move into this. There's going to be a lot of, I'm going to challenge you guys with some deep thoughts tonight, and I want you to be there. And that's why I'm asking you to just kind of be here with us. Sound cool? All right, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. It is so good to be here. And, and God, it is, it is hard to, to think about our story and know our story and, and feel able to share our story. But God, you do incredible things in our lives. You do incredible, incredible things in our lives. And help us not be afraid to share those with people. Pray that you open hearts tonight and that these students would dig deep in their hearts to find their story. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Okay. So we're going to take the lead from Jesus and the Samaritan woman in some questions here. We're going to take their lead. I'm going to ask you a few things. The first thing you got to know before you tell your story is you got to know your story. You got to know your story. So we're going to go through a few of these thoughts. She had to know who she was to be able to be in her story. So my question for you is, who are you? Who are you here at Element? What does that look like for you? Who are you in your schools? Be thinking about this. Who are you at home? Okay, be thinking about that. Who are you in this city? 
Think about everything that's happening in this town. Who are you in this city? Okay, now think about the country. Everything that's going on in this country. Who are you in this country? Who are you in terms of the world? Think about that for a second, okay? And then zoom it all back into this moment where you think of this question, who are you? Okay? And then we're going to move on to this next question. And this is a question she had to ask as well. This is a question she had to ask. Where am I and where have I been? Where has she been? Where have you been? And I'm not talking about location. It's a little play on words here. Where have you been with your faith? Where have you been in terms of relationship with God? She had been in these places where there's some confusion, and she might have been a devout but not really practicing believer in this situation, if you would call it a believer, but she wasn't quite sure, but she definitely wasn't living it out, right? So where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at with your relationship with God? Where are you at with your relationship with church? Where are you at in your faith? Think about that. Where are you? Where are you? Okay? And here's the last question. And this is probably going to be the most painful. And this is why I needed you guys to be mature tonight. She had to realize what she'd done. And Jesus had to go there. Okay? To set her free. So this next question is just a little more difficult. It's a little heavier. What have you done? What have you done? Where have you failed? Where have you stepped away from God instead of stepping towards God? This is really important for us to know and consider this. But hear me out. This isn't for everybody to know, okay? That's not your story. It is important for a few people to know in your life what you've done because being known sets you free. There's a handful of people who know everything about me, and I love it. And I pray and hope that you have the same person in your life, or a handful of people. But not everybody needs to know the details. Because here's the thing. We need to know what we've done and consider what we've done. But at the same time, we don't glorify it either. That isn't the biggest part of our story. That isn't the greatest part of our story. It's a detail. But here's an example of that. Here's an example of that. From my personal life. I lived a godless life and I hurt other people and myself doing that. That sums it up. But I know what I've done and a handful of people know what I've done too. And that's good. Because here's why that's good. It gives you a crystal clear picture of the next step. Crystal clear. And that's knowing your need for a savior. And this woman at the well started to become aware of this as she turned to Jesus and said, I've heard the Savior of the world is coming. Do you see that? So just in your life, when you think back to these times where you stepped away from God, or you, you understand sin so you know it's sin, here's, here's something that happens. People think that people need Jesus because they're wimps and they can't do it on their own and they're emotionally unstable so they lean on God. Or that they're just weak, so they need to put their, put their shoulder on religion or belief or something like that. Here's the deal, though. That's super ignorant, especially if they're hearing your story. And I mean that in the real sense of the word that's ignorant. Because what they would have heard if they were listening 
was that you've done something that makes you guilty. And as a guilty subject, you cannot become the judge and free yourself. Do you see that? You are guilty of something. So yeah, there's emotion. There's emotion in needing a savior. But it's also this moment where you realize, wait a second, I'm the guilty party and I'm not the judge. I'm not the judge. It's like this, and some of you have heard me say this before. It's like because of these moments where you've had these issues, where you've had these sins, or you've had these places where you've stepped away from God, you've got a failing grade on your life's report card. You have a failing grade. And that grade cannot get you back to God. It can't. And if you could just only find someone to trade report cards with, you could be saved. And here's Jesus on the cross. Here's Jesus on the cross saying, I'll take your report card. Bring it. Take mine. And then he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And he died for you. The same spirit that healed all these people with him raised him from the dead. And it sealed, sealed the approval that you now had an A-plus report card if only, if only you trade Jesus. If only you say, Jesus, I trust you. Here it is. And then you get to walk to God with a smile on your face and go, I'm his. I'm under his name. And he goes, welcome home. Welcome home. And so in this moment, you need to know your need for a savior. But for those of you who have switched that report card and you are holding the A-plus report card, praise God. Are we right? Praise God for that. Praise God, and that'll change your life. That'll change your life. That'll change everything about you. This has happened to me. This is my story, too. (sighs) Okay, so we understand that we need a Savior. So now we know our story. We know our story. It's time to tell our story. And a lot of people get really worked up when we get to this point where they're like, I don't know how to tell my story. I don't know how to give a testimony. I don't, I don't, I don't have any ribbons or bows, and I don't have lights, and I don't, I don't know what to do. And Okay, let's just calm down. I want to show you how easy it is. And you wouldn't believe it, okay? But here's the deal. All this Samaritan woman did was run back to town and go, this guy's amazing. You have got to check this out. This is my personal experience. And my personal experience, this guy's this guy's awesome. And everyone went, oh, maybe I should go look. <laughs> right? You don't have to be incredible. You just gotta share your experience. So I'm gonna do a little experiment, and there should be two people who have been chosen, and they're gonna make their way to the stage. Yes, yes, you, yes, you. I see you over there. Come on up. Everybody, round of applause for our contestants tonight. Dustin, come on out. Dustin, come on out. Oh, it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. Come on. Come on. Time's ticking, and I'm going to feed you chicken. So come on out here. I'm not even kidding. You're going to stand right here. You're going to stand right here, okay? Don't move. Okay, okay. Okay, this is going pretty well. Okay, so what's going to happen? I'm going to have you introduce yourselves. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, Chick. Hey, hey. Nice. Okay, good to see you, Ethan. Peyton Atwood. Hey, Peyton, it's good to see you. You cannot eat the chicken in that box. Don't do it. Begin. You can eat it. Go ahead. Yes, begin eating. 
Go ahead and open that. You know what's inside? It's chicken, Peyton. Go ahead and open it. No, eat that. Eat that. Okay, who wants to eat this chicken? Peyton loses. Jared Fox, come up here. He was the first hand I saw. Thank you for playing, Peyton. Go ahead and have a seat. Jared Fox, begin eating. Okay, great. Um, hey, um, I need you to sell me the chicken that's in this container, okay? You can't talk about anything or any time you've ever eaten it just by looking at it. So go ahead and open it up and tell me why I should eat this chicken. Don't drop it. Why should I eat this chicken? You've got to say something. Don't do this to me. It's good to some people. It's good to some people, he says. Okay. And moving on, I, I really switched up on the microphones here. I, I'm so thankful for our team. Okay, hey, why should I eat this chicken? What's happening over here? Uh, I'm eating it. No, what's good about it? Tell me about it. Tell me about your experience. What's good? It tastes really good, and yeah. the cane sauce is amazing. Yeah. And it goes really good together. Yeah, wow. Okay, round of applause. Go eat your chicken. Share your chicken. That's very good. Very good. Yes, you're done. You're done. You're done. Okay, so right back here. Something that I want to show you from this is from, from what you just saw, which person makes you more excited about eating Raisin Cane's chicken? A or B? B? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. This is a thing from like Rick Warren from like 40 years ago or something like that. When you are sharing your story, when you're sharing your story about faith, listen, you don't have to be a salesman. You don't have to be a saleswoman. You don't have to try to talk people into trying it, Okay. All you have to do, check this out, you're a satisfied customer. Because if you have Jesus in your life, things have changed, and you're saying, man, in my personal experience, this has been awesome. And guess what? When you talk about your personal experience, try arguing with that. Try arguing with that. You can argue about science. You can, you can argue about politics. You can argue about all these different things, but you can't argue with people's experiences, Right? So if I turned to Jared and I said, hey, that chicken wasn't good, he would go, you're a moron. Yes, it was. <laughs> right? I have no reason to go against that. So here's the deal. When we're telling our story, when we're sharing these pieces of our story, we don't have to, we don't have to sell it. We just have to share our personal experience. And here's a tip for you. If, if, and, and you note takers, this will come in handy so much. When you're telling people about your faith, or when you're telling people about church, when you're telling people about Jesus and a saving grace, here's your phrase. Here's your money phrase, okay? Here it is. In my personal experience. Because here's what you're not saying. It's not like there's a ton of people out there who haven't heard about church. There's a ton of people out there who have been hurt by church, right? And so what you're doing by saying, hey, in my personal experience, is you're disarming this religious, like, uh, battle of saying, you have to believe what I believe. Because I don't think that's the case yet. Because that Samaritan woman didn't just go running into town and say, everyone believe what I believe. No, she said, you got to come see what I was a part of. You got to go check this out. In my personal experience, and you defuse, you defuse these emotions and you defuse all these different tensions in that conversation. You just say, hey, in my personal experience, man, it is so much easier through my faith to bounce back after a bad day at school. Argue with that. Argue with that. You can't. You can't argue with me on that. But here's the deal. When you step forward, when you step forward to tell your story like this, here's what you got to do when you're stepping into this. You've got to give up trying to be God, okay? 
So when you're stepping towards this brokenness and you're stepping forward to tell this story, you've got to give up trying to be God. Let God be God. Because here's the deal. You don't do the saving. You don't do the saving. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, does the saving, right? He does the saving. All you do is you tell about your personal experience. You're a satisfied customer and you point, hey, I know the way. And you know what? That woman in Samaria ran back to the town and said, check this out. And these people went running to him. And scripture says, when they heard him speak, when they heard his words, they believed. They were saved in that moment. So quit trying to be God. Don't worry about that. Let God be God. Tell your story. Because here's the thing. Here's the worst thing that can happen to you. Someone doesn't listen or someone doesn't care. That's the worst thing that could happen. What's the best thing that could happen? Is that someone hears your story, your experience with your faith, and goes, I'm going to go check that out. And in that moment, you walk beside them, you go, hey, I'll go with you. Share your story. That's the best possible thing. Because here's the deal. Here's why we do this. We don't do this to build a club. As much as I love you, the goal here is not to build a big club of students. The goal is to be kingdom workers and to show people the gospel and tell people the gospel, the saving grace and love of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not a club. It's about souls. And we have a God. We have a God that is a shepherd of a flock and Jesus, and he has a hundred sheep and one leaves. And when one leaves, he notices it's gone. Can you believe that? When you left God, I'm speaking to someone right now, I know it. When you left God, he saw you leave. And he knows you're gone. He knows you're gone. And guess what he does? He leaves the 99 sheep. And he goes to find that one that's lost. That's our purpose. Is to follow his leadership to tell our story to the one that's lost. You understand that? know your story so you can tell your story. And I'm going to come back out and I'm going to give you an example of sharing your story. I'm going to show you basically the length it needs to be. I'm going to show you the vulnerability level that needs to be there. I'm going to try to lead for you in that. Because I don't want to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself, okay? But we're going to sing a song in between. And when we sing the song, I don't want you to go through the motions. And if you don't, if you like, if you're if you're not able to bend your heart towards God, just don't sing. Just like try to, try to imagine, try to soak up this idea that you need a savior. And for those of you who have, who have traded that report card, praise God with your life at this next song because you were the lost and he came and found you. You understand? It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I'm gonna pray really quick. God, thank you so much for coming and finding us. Thank you so much for, for tracking us down and seeing that we're gone. You know us and you love us. And it's a beautiful thing. Now help us worship with our hearts, not just our mouths. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So growing up, um, I, was, I was an average kid, I would say. I wasn't, I wasn't awesome at anything. I wasn't awful at anything. I was just like middle of the road, you know middle of the road. Um, but I wanted to do anything I could to make people like me. And uh, I, I would just want, I just wanted to be accepted. 
and I just wanted people to want to be my friend. Like I have this hole that I just needed filled of just like, man, I just want people to like me. And if someone didn't like me, it just, it bothered me, it bothered me. And so moving into high school, man, I was good at acting and uh, like I could be a chameleon, you know what I mean? And some of you know exactly what I mean out there, where you can, you can change and become anything anybody wants you to be. And I did that at the, at the sake of losing myself, right? And on the outside, everything looked fine. I looked like a happy kid. Um, but I still had that problem within me that I didn't know how to fix. And I lived a very godless life. One where I made a lot of stupid decisions and it hurt a lot of people. And it hurt me too, really bad. And um, a huge part of my story is that um, my junior year, I started working at the after-school program here called Connect. And some of you, I've, I've told this story to you. Um, but I started working here, and I thought, that's a sweet gig. Get paid minimum wage to throw a football at a kid. I'm in. Because I, I had picked sweet corn, and I know how much that is just a nightmare. So I was like, this is good. And I came here, and um, for two years, two years, Josh Sykes would approach me on a Wednesday night, and he would say, hey, we got elements tonight. You should come. And for two years, I go, I'm good, dude. I got plenty to do. I'm really busy. See you later. Thanks for the invite, though. And this went on for two years. And finally, my senior year, the year was coming to a close. It was a really good year. It was a really good year for me. Um, and Josh said, hey, if you come to one element, you can go to our, our summer trip, CIY, and you can come with us. I thought, my senior year, one more trip. Sounds sweet. Sounds good. So I showed up to element. And uh, I thought, that drummer is really good. And then I turned around and I left. And that's all I got out of it. But at, but at CIY, um, it's about day three, something became very, very clear to me. And it was two things. One, that Jesus was just as unfond of judgy, empty religion as I was. I was not fond of that. And two, that Jesus knew my name. I didn't know what that meant at that time, and I wouldn't say that my whole life was changed, but I was intrigued, at least. I was more curious about who Jesus was, and so I moved on into college. And um, in college, it was more of the same high school on repeat until um, I reluctantly, but God just lined it up to where I couldn't get out of it, went on this mission trip to Las Vegas, and I've told you guys about this before. And this revelation of a life change happened in this moment where being in Las Vegas, and we were in the worst part of the city too, evil was so real. I can't even explain it. You could feel it. You could see it. It was so real. And I had this moment where I broke down because I just didn't get it. Either, either I didn't get it or I didn't want to deal with it, right? Because this whole time, I knew I'd have to deal with God at some point. It, it was just whether or not it was while I was breathing or after I just got done breathing that I'd have to deal with God and he would deal with me. And it was in this moment that I realized if evil is this real, if evil is this real, the opposite has to be true. The opposite has to be true. And so in that moment, I would tell you that my soul was saved. And I finally started opening my life up to Jesus Christ. And in my experience, 
I would just take these steps toward Jesus and I would fall and I would trip and I'd stumble forward. But I just tried to keep moving towards Jesus because, it, because this was my experience. This was my experience. When I, when I stepped toward Jesus Christ, I felt more free every step from all that junk that was in my past, from all that, that insecurity of just wanting people to like me in my past. Every step I took, another chain fell, another chain fell. Until it was at this point where I'm like, I, I believe, I'll give my life for this. I'll give my life for this. And I was called into doing this, this thing that I'm doing right now. This was a calling from God on my life. And I decided I need to spend the rest of my life, my life serving people like you. And here I am, ironically, in the very same shoes of people I once loathed. But it's different. Because in my experience, my personal experience, there is nothing that makes more sense of reality that can get me through the end of very difficult days, that can show me that there's hope on the other side of death, that can show me that life's worth living and breath's worth breathing. There is nothing that makes sense of reality like the Spirit of God living in me because I've accepted what Jesus had to offer. That's my personal experience. That's what's happened to me. That's my story. So I would ask you, what's your story? What's your story? God, I pray as, as we move into these, these times with our element coaches tonight, that you start stirring in our hearts. Not that we need to go on this storytelling adventure that lasts two hours, but God, that if we have a bit of a story to share with people tonight, we don't have to, we don't have to share all the deep, dark secrets. That's not the point, because that's not, that we're not glorifying those things. We're glorifying you and where you're taking us and where you're leading us. And God, we are so aware that we are not perfect. I am so aware that I am not perfect. But God, our stories light up the path towards you so that other people can find that way to you. And so I pray as we step towards brokenness in this city and in our schools and in our relationships, do you give us the courage to share our personal experience, that we would know who we are, where we've been and what we've done, that we need a savior and that we have one. And then we can live in that freedom because who are people to argue with that? pray that you give us boldness. And I pray for that one student or the handful of students or the many students in here tonight that are the one that left. God, let them know right now that you're chasing after them, just like you promised you would, and that you know that they're gone. And bring them home. Bring them home tonight. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.